Justin for the shot. He scores! The shot! He scores! He scores! Keith Primo! There you go, They score! Ivan Komarov! His first NHL tally! The Flyers win the You're listening to Getting Bullied. The podcast by Flyers fans for Flyers fans with your host, Mark Giano. Now let's get started. Philadelphia selects from the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. And this is Getting Bullied, proud podcast partner of PhilliasFlyers.com and featured on the HockeyWriters.com. I'm Mark Gino, and I'm going to join today by Danny Carlton and Josh Bright from Phillies Flyer. Boys, how the hell are we? I'm pretty well. How are you, Mark? Uh, you know, I can't complain. Um, I'm pretty good, too. Good, good. <laughs> All right, so obviously we uh, we put the capper on the 2017 NHL draft over the weekend. Um, Flyers took, uh, obviously, Nolan Patrick, second overall. Kind of a big deal. Um, the only kind of thought they needed to make was whether they were going to trade out of it, which no one thought they were going to do, or just wait and see what the Devils were going to do at one. So, uh, Danny, I'll start with you. When you're watching the draft and you saw Patrick get taken at two by the Flyers, how'd you feel? What'd you think? Uh, I jumped up and started screaming, actually. Josh, what about Patrick you? was my guy. Josh, how'd you feel about it? I mean, <clears throat> if if I was given the number one overall pick, I would have took Nolan Patrick, so I was ecstatic to see him drop the number two. I was actually driving to Boston at the time, <clears throat> and uh, I was like, two hours away and I got the update on my phone and I let out this scream and my, my buddy that I was with, he's not the biggest hockey guy, had no idea what I was screaming about, almost swerved off the road. Um, so yeah, that's almost, that's how I almost went out of this world was, uh, and probably the best way to go. Um, honestly, I mean, you gotta go for Nolan, man. Do anything for that kid. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, other than dying after seeing a championship, Stanley Cup, Super Bowl, NBA, anything, that's probably one of the better ways I could have went. <laughs> so, so um, so now that so now we got him. Everything is everything's done from a draft aspect. He's here. He's with the team. He hasn't obviously officially made the team. None of that's going to be even decided on until training camp. Josh, what are your season expectations for Nolan Patrick? Um, I mean, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself. I've been, uh, I think, in a completely healthy season, 40 points isn't out of the question. I mean, you look at Travis Konechny, he didn't have, like, the offensive numbers that you thought he would going in. But um, I think if he's given top nine minutes as opposed to being stuck on a fourth line, I think 20 goals, 20 assists could be possible if, if he's putting on the second power play. I think you could really see some contribution out of him and see some growth, especially with all the other young guys coming in the lineup as well. Danny, how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Josh for that because, I mean, I'm not trying to get, like, too high. I don't think he's going to have, you know, a Matthews year where he, like, scores 40 goals in his first year. I don't think that's happening by any stretch of the means. But I think 40 points is definitely possible, especially, again, if he's in the top nine. 
and depending on you know who's on his wings and stuff, especially now that we have depth on this team now, so should I be heard, good. I heard on the radio a couple of days ago, um, they were I think it was Elmore Ganey that said it, and he's he, he's kind of like as far as I'm concerned, he's like the hockey mind on the radio at least. Um, he said that he, he definitely sees, and I could see this too. Nolan Patrick being the supplement for Braden Shen, who we lost. So we're going to get into the whole the whole Shen trade later on. And by the way, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. Uh, Nick Olson of the Hockey Writers, he's a St. Louis Blues writer, will be on later to discuss the trade. But I think that, you know, he, he's going to come in and it's obviously probably going to take him a little bit to get acclimated to the game and the speed and everything like that. But if he's on the roster day one and he's second overall pick, you got to expect him to contribute a considerable amount to the, uh, to the goal scoring. This is a team that was bottom half of the league in goal scoring last year. And they were lucky enough to get up to the second pick. And now that they're there, they got their guy. They got the most NHL ready guy in the draft. I, this is he's got to come in. He's got to come in and contribute from day one, as far as I see it. I don't know how you guys Absolutely. feel about that. No, yeah, I mean, you you really see that coming with Nolan Patrick. I mean, as you said, he is the most NHL ready guy in the draft, and he's hungry. He's determined. I mean, he's coming off a really tough year from injuries, and I think it was uh, Bob McKenzie that said he has nothing left to prove in junior hockey. He only has it in the NHL, and he's going to be surrounded with a really good staff and some really good players. Right. And that's, I mean, if you're selecting that high and that's what you're expecting, 100%. Uh, so as far as the draft goes, obviously the Flyers made, I think, nine selections. Seven of them were forwards, a goalie and a defenseman. Other than Patrick, because he's the obvious for everybody. Dan, who is a guy that jumps off the page that you're most excited that, that the Flyers took? So it's kind of a tie for me. First off, I would say Morgan Frost, but I'll get in, we'll get into that later. But also Kirill Ustamenko, just because it's the Ronaldo pick. <laughs> just because that's really only only thing I know about Ronaldo pick. He's some pretty impressive stats too. And you know, it's always good to have another goalie. I'm gonna throw a, a quick side note because you mentioned Ronaldo. You know, I still see people on Twitter that are praising this guy and want him to come back. <laughs> Bring back Zeke. This is why Twitter.com is free. <laughs> You're right. You're probably right. But I heard a guy, I mean, I actually heard a guy on the radio a couple weeks ago that came in and said, you know, I, we need a guy like Zach Ronaldo. He comes in, he knocks somebody's head off, he gets a penalty. That's what we need. And I was like, how do you even conjure a thought like that? How do you even... <laughs> I mean, he's probably out of the league, but and look, I don't want to get on this tangent about uh, Zach Ronaldo, but I'm glad he's gone. But Josh, as far as you're concerned, the guy that jumps off the page to you first and foremost um, when you look at the flyer selections from the draft. Um, I think far and away for me, it's Matthew Strom. Um, I wasn't huge on him as a first-round talent, but in the fourth round, I'm ecstatic that we picked him up. I think, besides the obvious, he has skating flaws. Um, all his other attributes just scream first-round talent. You know, he has the shot, he has the hockey IQ, and he's working with a really great skating coach with the Flyers. I mean, he has 
years to put it together. But if he puts it together, he could, he might be the steal of the draft for me. Well, that was the big knock on him uh, is the fact that he has a lot of issues skating. So I yeah, mean, and the big knock on Oscar Lindblom was his skating yeah. too, and I'm totally okay with skating problems because that can be fixed. Yeah, I was gonna say since I was bring up Lindblom. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's almost it's like a shot in ba- like a, a shooting in basketball. It, uh, teams t- tend to not really worry about it too much because it's something that can be learned. It's something that's very fixable. Yeah. Um, yep. The guy that jumps off the page to me, and I've watched a few videos on him, and I like basically everything I see. I like that the fact that the Flyers went up and got him. They saw their man, and they wanted him. They went and got him. And that was a second-round pick, Isaac Ratcliffe. The guy is, A, a monster. He's saying 6'6", 200 pounds, but he is so mobile. He's so agile for being that big, and he has he has a, a bit of finesse to his game, especially around the net. I mean, this guy crashes the net, and it's almost like the game slows down for him. He sees the puck well, and he's got soft enough hands to be able to, to, be able to get it past the goalie or to even if he has to dish it back out to another guy in the slot or to one of the guys on the wing. I mean, he has enough hockey IQ, enough hockey sense to be able to slow the game down in front of him. And he he is just, so, from what I see already, and it's a very small sample size, just the videos that I've seen on different articles, but I think he has such a good head on his shoulders. He has such a good view of the game in front of him. And he obviously he's not going to be up this year, maybe not even next year. But when this guy, when he gets it together, when he learns a bit down in the minors or down wherever he's going to be the next couple of years, I think he has all the makings of being a really good NHL forward, especially with how big he is. Yeah, and yeah, you know, was. His, golf wasn't a strong team. Yeah. So for his numbers, it's really impressive. Other than Schnarr, who who went to Arizona in the second round. There was really no one on that team impressive. So for him to carry that team is really impressive, and they're getting better next year. So it's going to be even more exciting to watch. Danny, you had something to say on him? Yeah, I kind of lost it. I had it for a second. I just kind of <laughs> lost it. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So I mean, I, and I don't know. I, I don't know how. I don't know much about the drafts going into it. I. I just I have such a small attention span in life that it's hard for me to wrap my head around different prospects and there's so many different leagues and everything like that. You know, I just I just kind of ride with it and when they pick who they pick, that's when I start to look at things. So I don't consider myself a draft expert in the slightest, but I do. Oh, just come to me for that. That's why I move on. <laughs> All right, well good. Then I'll go to you first because I want to get your guys um how you feel as far as their draft grade. For this year, um, I think I give him an A minus. I mean, the Morgan Frost was kind of the only thing stopping it from being a plus, and that's nothing against Morgan Frost. I'm really excited about the kid. Um, I mean, I trust in Hextall's draftability. I trust who we put around him, especially Chris Pryor and our scouts in Sweden and in the OHL. I think they overall did a really good job. I mean, there's a bit, a few surprises with uh, Shushko in the fourth round, who I'm still even a fan of. But overall, really, really successful. I think this draft will produce probably the most full-time NHLers in any draft in the last few years for the Flyers. Let me ask you this. Where do you find the time to research all of these guys? Uh, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm always intrigued by when a player um, jumps out to me. I mean, especially scrolling down Twitter, seeing... 
you know, a guy I really liked in the beginning of this year, I don't even know that he was drafted, was Ivan Kozlov from uh, Val Dior. He was uh, from the team from Nicholas Albi Cabell. He was a Russian import who did very well. It's just guys like that that you see and you follow and, you know, you get to see his teammates and then you're sucked into junior hockey, getting excited for the guys who are coming in a few years. Damn. <laughs> a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, where do you grade this team uh, as far as their draft? So I'm going to say A plus for me because I, like, I trust in Hextall 100% drafting because people will say, like, oh, maybe, maybe give up too much to get the Isaac Ratcliffe pick. But when you have this surplus of picks, you can do that. There's no problem with doing that. If you see your guy, it's the same thing with Morgan Frosting. Like, there was something he saw in Morgan Frost that he liked so much that he had to get Morgan Frost. Because you saw a Tolvanen, who I know a lot of people wanted. Uh, who was the one Russian? Kostin uh, was a big one, too. Kostin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have, if you see something you like in the guy, and I love the Morgan Frost pick 100%. I really, his skating is just. It after seeing that uh, scouting reports, you know, a guy with his speed, and he has all the tools, and. Like you were saying with Hextall, that I think he said it was the first time that he and his staff all had the same opinion about a guy that they were dead set that that's the guy they wanted. So I trust him completely. Well, what about every? I hear a lot that they kind of reached a little bit with Morgan Frost. Yeah, I think his rankings were all over reach. the place too. Like I, I think he was from some like he was around thirty-one on a couple ones. He was late first round, so it wasn't like too much of a reach. There was some that had him like forty-one. I think was the lowest probably making that up but it was somewhere in the 40s that was his low or highest lowest i don't know yeah i think i saw somewhere i think he was his like lowest grade was a 45 they took him at 27 so that was kind of the range it was kind of like early like mid 30s to mid 40s where i saw but i mean it's like you said if you like a guy that much if everybody in your draft room likes a guy that much and if you have the right move in place at least you think you do that's kind of then you have to make the move if that's a guy that you think can really help your team down you know going down the stretch i mean cuz they i mean the guys in the in their draft room or their war room whatever the hell you want to call it probably know a little bit more than the experts you see on TV because they're Absolutely. focused in on on a certain group of guys and that is their job to follow these guys uh, throughout the entire year that they play, whereas the guys on TV, they're focusing on, uh, you know, the the young prospects as well as everything that's going on with the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, yep. the focus was on Tolvanen because of, you know, he's obviously a goal scorer, but it was the same thing last year when, you know, you pass on a guy like Bellows and go for Rubisov, and then you see Bellows this year had an awful regressing year. And it goes into so much more than just goals, and that's why I trust that uh, Hexel scouting much more than I trust anyone on Twitter or any analyst on TV. I mean, yeah, and Rupsov tore it up this year. Like, when he got over to North America, he just tore it up. Is he... It, what, what are the, does he have any chances, Josh? You would, you'd be the guy that would know here. Does he have any chances of making the team, Rupsov? This season, I wouldn't... I, I think he'll come into camp. I think he'll turn some heads... But I ultimately think he heads back to junior. I believe he's AHL eligible, but I think he only played about, was it even 20 games at junior hockey before his injury? So Yeah, I think, I think it was 17. Full, yeah, I think a full year in Chikudami will be great for him. 
Are there any? This is kind of off topic, but while I have you here, while I have you both here, you guys obviously know that you're shit. Who is, if anybody? I mean, obviously, other than Patrick and 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 uh, we know Moran and Hag, but is there a guy that's kind of under the radar that has a pretty decent chance of making the team? Dan, you want to go first on this? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, under the radar, not really under the radar. I would say Sanheim. Because yeah, I think he has he, the best chance. He impressed a lot, especially towards the end. Like, he caught fire for a while. But I mean, other than the obvious Lindblom, I don't think there's, a, like, a, a prospect other than maybe Myers or Sanheim will make someone think differently. I mean... You want to see a guy like Taylor Lear maybe try and compete for a fourth-line spot, but as far as our junior prospects go, I don't see anyone making a jump from junior hockey to NHL than the obvious Nolan Patcher. Right. And, I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into it because, like we were talking about before the show, there's so much time before any kind of roster is put out there, but I keep seeing a lot of, um, a lot of people trying to predict the fourth line. But I... <laughs> We haven't even reached free agency yet, and people are trying to predict who's going to be on the fourth line. I mean, we don't even know who's going to be on this team, let alone, <laughs> you know, on on the opening day roster. But yeah, that's it's just a lot of fun for people to do that now yeah, that I they can so. eliminate Belmar and Vandevelde from the equation. Oh, I mean, I, I thought people were really going to miss the miss those guys. <laughs> you know, they. Dude, I got to burn my Vandevelde jersey you now. You really Such have a sad one? day. No, no, I don't have a Vandevelde jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to burn the picture of me and Belmar playing cornhole at the Flyers Wives Carnival. That's the only thing I have of them. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe not. That's a good memory. You don't have to burn it. Maybe you Actually, do like my, my maybe you do like you do was with the, one a, of the guys that was upset that Belmar got taken. There were guys. Sons. I know. I was kind of shocked at first. I was static when that happened. I was a little top. Yeah, I think everybody was. I mean, you really don't know what goes on in the locker room. He probably meant a lot to some of those guys, but ultimately, it's it's a great move. I was mostly surprised remember, about it because I thought I thought it was a lock that Raffle was getting taken. I mean, which I wouldn't have been too sad about either. No, I do like Raffle, but I don't think it would have been a huge loss considering the depth we have. I like Raffle. I love Michael Raffle. I like Raffle, but I think his injuries are his biggest problem. I mean, he's probably he's he's probably good to miss like fifteen to twenty five games again this year for some for some nonsense injury that he's gonna get. But yeah. All right. Well, that was good. That was a little off topic. It's good to do that every now and then. Um, other than that, the big news from the from draft night. And again, I was in Boston celebrating my birthday. And by this point, I had reached my destination and had was already about five or six beers into it. So I had to read the update on my phone a few times before I really comprehended what it said. But Braden Shen traded in kind of a blockbuster as far as I'm concerned to St. Louis Flyers get back a 2017 first round pick, which was 27 turned into Morgan Frost 2018 conditional um, and uh, forward Yuri Laterra. Dan, uh, what did you think of this move? Do you, first, let me ask your opinion on Braden Chen, and then you could just go right into how you feel about the move in general. So, Brain Shen's a little complicated for me. Like I liked him as a a piece for a little bit, but he was definitely the guy that I wanted to see shipped out the most because, you know, with the five million cap hit, I mean, we're not really strapped for cast space right now, but 
uh, I remember seeing this when his contracts up. We had to, or in two years, I think we had to resign Provorov, Konechny, I think it was Morin, and someone else. But uh, I just you need more at even strength. Like I understand that the power play, the power play is undeniably important. You need to have even strength scoring. So when he got traded, I was kind of happy because that opens up more spots for you know Travis Konechny, Jordan Wheel if he comes back, and then Oscar Lindblom and maybe Nolan Patrick. So and then I saw the other first round pick that came and then possibly even a third round pick on top of that. I was I was thrilled. I mean, at first, admittedly, I was a little. I mean, I, I kind of ignored the picks right off the bat and I just looked at the two the two players involved in the deal. Obviously, one was Shen. The other was Laterra, and I looked at it as, you know, the team, the Flyers had such, like I said already, they had such a hard time scoring last year, and you know, really the last couple of years, scoring has been an issue for them. I mean, we saw it come up in the playoffs against the uh, Capitals a couple of years ago. They had, this team, for whatever reason, their their core guys are starting to regress a little bit, they're getting a little older, and they've had trouble putting the puck in the net, and I thought, Trading away one of your younger guys, one of your core younger guys was an issue. And then I really just looked at his numbers and I really broke it down and I saw that it was only, you know, I think in the last, I haven't written down here, the last two years, uh, like a little 55% of his goals are on the power play. I mean, if this is a guy that you are calling the gem of the Mike Richards trade, he needs to give you more than that five on five. I mean, yeah, it's great to have that production on the power play, but I mean, you're not on the power play for 60 minutes a game. So he, he never was able to figure it out and, and give them a consistent, and it's not even just scoring, uh, scoring goals. It's, it's his offensive game as a whole. You know, sometimes he was out there and it looked like he was lost at times. So when I really thought about it, when I really broke everything down and really, looked at his numbers, and then I finally allowed the thought of the two first-round picks to enter my head, and I thought, okay, we just got two first-round picks for Braden Shen. I I wasn't thrilled, but I like the trade. And what makes me not as thrilled is Yuri Laterra because I think he's a huge question mark. Josh, what'd you think of it? Um, I mean, as soon as it happened, completely shocked. I mean... Usually, there's a little bit of talk of a guy getting ready to be moved, but this trade came out of nowhere, and I didn't know how to feel at first. I mean, no one hated Shen in his time here more than I did. I mean, I criticized every move he made because you expected so much out of him, and he would show so much potential in preseason, and it gets to the season. He's given time with Jeru and Voracek, and even strength, it was just a disaster. And uh, trade-wise, I mean... If you look at it in the short term, St. Louis won big time. I mean, if you're looking at instant production, he's going to produce. He's most likely going to be playing with guys like Vladimir Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, Robbie Fabry. He's he's going to produce. He's going to do well in St. Louis. So I think if you're looking at it from that point of view, yeah, St. Louis made out really well. I do think uh, Laterra, he's, he's in the same vote as Filipula for me. I mean, he's not a goal scorer. He's a guy that can set up, and he, he'll add to our bottom six especially with Belmar going out and Vandevelde going out. I mean, it adds bottom six pieces, but they're expensive. And um, pick-wise, I'm ecstatic. I mean, people were ready to ship Shen out of town for a second-round pick a few years ago. 
So to add a first round pick in this draft, which people call a weak draft, which who I just really want to fist fight at this point, and <laughs> in next year's draft, which is a deeper draft than this year. I mean, I, I've looked at some of the prospects I haven't gotten to the mid rounds, but I think it's it's huge to add this much to your future. I mean, I never considered Shen our core guy. I always thought of him right outside of there. So he was easily the most movable, and he would have got you the most returns. So I think this trade's going to look amazing in the future. It's just going to hurt for a few years. It's going to look really bad on us for a little bit. Uh, I mean, Latera only has two years left, too. So it's not yeah. like it's not like we just took Yuri Latera for five years, you know? Right. No, yeah. And that's why I think of him a lot with Philippi. I mean, between them, they'll, be, they'll both be off the books in two seasons, and that's almost 10 mil in cap, which is huge. Especially same year where we got to resign Proveron. Right. What pisses me off most about what people when they're looking at this trade and the it, uh, actually it's the people that support Braden Shen when when they're mad when I hear people get mad that he got traded and they say they try comparing him to uh, Voracek and Giroux and to me it's it, it you can't compare the three of those guys because. I mean, Braden Shen got moved because Braden Shen was able to be moved. I mean, if if they were if Ron Hextall had the chance or the an opportunity to trade Claude Giroux and make the team better in a couple of years, he probably would do it. Same with Jake Voracek. But the thing, the fact of the matter is, Giroux has a no movement clause, and uh, Voracek is making what is it at least three million dollars more than Shen was. So. Shen was the odd man out, and that's why he's gone. And people that you can't compare him to Voracek and Giroux, and I, I think to even try to make that argument is asinine. Yeah, and I think the only guy you really could talk about shipping out besides Couturier, which if you do, I'll hunt you down, is Wayne Simmons. And oh. I think you're burning the city down if you trade Wayne Simmons. Now, hold on. Why are you hunting people down if they trade Sean Couturier? Uh, a little bit of bias. I'm one of his biggest fans since his draft. Why? I I, I only ask because I I can't stand the sight of Sean Couturier. I don't think um it's you're you're gonna notice when he's gone. I mean, you noticed it as soon as he went down in the Washington series. Every injury he's had, which are really unfortunate, you notice when he's gone. I mean, he adds. He doesn't have that offensive finish, but. If you watch him, his zone entries are always gorgeous. He He's one of the only forwards. I mean, I can't say that anymore since Lindblom, Patrick, and Konechny are coming. He's just creative in the offensive zone. You know, he takes chances. I mean, I remember I was in, a, I was in Tampa Bay watching Philadelphia play, and uh, Sean Couturier was, had the puck down low, and he tried to do this Kuznetsov sneaky move where he tried to – fake the goalie out forehand and tuck it behind them. I mean, I don't think any player on the Flyers roster would attempt that. I mean, I think Couturier, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse here. I think he has more offensive than he's shown. And, you know, you're adding pieces around him now that are going to help out dramatically as opposed to playing with Matt Reed, Dale Weiss, Braden Shen. I mean, even the Konechny, Couturier, Voracek line looked beautiful from the offset. See, that's my. That's I mean, my get, go, oh, sorry, Mike, you can go ahead. No, go ahead, Dan. So, like, going off that, you look at the last, I think it was month or so of the season, Sean Gatorier was on fire. You couldn't yeah. stop him. My so, I thing, think next year you're going to see more of that Sean Gatorier because 
as soon as uh, when he got hurt for a little bit, I think, and then Brayton Shen took over that center role between Konechny and Simmons, Torrey was getting nothing on his wingers. He's getting what well, I think it was between Reed, like Weiss, people who can't really score that much. If you're giving him dynamic wingers, the next year, like Konechny and Lindblom and Wheel and Voracek, he's going to produce. Yeah. My thing with him is, I, I think ever since the Flyers drafted him, and obviously he was a high draft piss, pick, so they're going to give him every opportunity they can to succeed. But my thing with him is, the Flyers have always tried to sell him as a legitimate second line center and a goal producer, and he just he yeah, hasn't. Yeah, which he's just not. Yeah, exactly, and that's what pisses me off, and that's what makes me not like him so much, is that it's constantly being shoved down my throat that. Every time they talk about him, you know, it's like he is this great goal scorer that just needs to break out. But he's like, he's like four years in now, four or five years in, and they just, he's not that guy. I love him in the defensive zone. I love him when, you know, when we play the Penguins and he's shutting down Crosby and he's shutting down Malkin. And you could put him on other teams' top guys. He's really great at that. But don't try to sell me on the fact that this guy is a legitimate second line center who's going to put up 25 to 30 goals a year because that's just not his game. He's a good guy. I never thought that would have been his game when he was first drafted either. I mean, you don't look at him and see a goal scorer. You look at him and see a guy who's going to shut down opposing defense, opposing opposition, top line opposition, and also drive play in the other direction, which is very rare in the NHL these days. Like, I, I see people putting him on the second line and dropping Philpola down to the third. And I think it's that I, to me that has to be flipped because I saw when Philpola came in last year, I saw him really accelerate um, Jake Voracek's play. Those two had a really good connection together, and I think that I think Voracek needs to you know you need, they need to get, try to put somebody else on that top line with Giroux and Simmons. Voracek needs to just stay at the second line, and I think him and Philpola need to kind of stay together because it looked like they had pretty good chemistry together. Yeah. I mean, I was at that very first game and against the Panthers. I mean, it, it was beautiful to watch Phil Pula. I don't know who was on their wing, but Phil Pula and Voracek together. I mean, they look like they've been playing together a while. I want to say it was Konechny. I'm not positive, though. I think it was. Um, yeah, because I think they just took Phil Pula and flipped him and Couturier for that line. And going back to what you said about Couturier being a uh, second-line center guy, I mean, at this point with the players we have, and especially last year, I think Haxtell said something about it. They don't really have set lines anymore. Like you, they don't. Of course, you think Giroux, the Drew line is the number one line. I mean, Sofia Borchek's a second, but they're all getting equal time on the ice. I mean, as frustrating as that was to watch with Belmar, I think just because you'll see Couturier, maybe Lindblom, and a guy like Wheel on the third line, that's not a third line to me. But you can roll those four lines when you have. You have no choice but to put these offensive guys in line. Right. All right. I'm gonna switch back to the uh, to the whole Shen deal, oh, yeah. and I want to getting way off topic. Yeah, we are. But <laughs> once I heard once I heard Couture, someone in support of Couturier, I had to, I had to pick your brain a little bit and and kind of find out where that was coming from. All right, my guest at this time on Getting Bullied, uh, he covers the St. Louis Blues for thehockeywriters.com. Going to give us a little bit of insight on the Braden Shen trade. His name is Nick Olson. Nick, how are you? Hey, pretty good. How are you? I can't complain right now. Um, so 
I'm sure by now everybody has heard in the hockey world that uh, on draft night, well, night one, the Flyers dealt Braden Shen to <clears throat> the uh, to the Blues for a conditional first-round pick next year, the 27th overall in uh, this past year's draft, and uh, Yuri Laterra. So your initial thought when the uh, the trade went down um, was what, as far as what the uh, the Blues had to give up and what they got back? Well, I got to be real honest with you here. Um, you know, Blues Nation, as, as far as Blues fans at this point, you know, before before the trade went down, what, we're, we're, we're upset um, because St. Louis had had two first-round picks and one they got from Washington in the Kevin Shattenkirk trade. And they felt that general manager Doug Armstrong should use those picks in some sort of package in order to move up in the draft. But the reality of this year's draft was is that, um, you know, from what all the scout, uh, top scouting outlets and, and, and from what NHL Central Scouting has come out with and everything else, you know, the, the middle of the of the first round, these, these prospects this year were, were very neck and neck as far as their development goes. So, you know, it was, it was an overall thinking that, you know, there was really no real reason for the Blues to move up because there was no real difference in who they were going to get at, say, pick 20 and pick 15 or pick 12. And, and so because of that, I think Doug Armstrong didn't do that. And when they, when they took Robert Thomas uh, with the 20th pick, um, I think Blues fans were, were booing at their TV screens just as loud as the fans were booing Robert Thomas on the stage at the United Center. Um, because they just weren't happy. And when they made this trade, everything changed because, you know, the deal with this trade is, is, is the Blues fans, I've never seen a fan base complain and cry as much about a player than they did Yori Latera over this past year. Um, you know, Doug, uh, Doug Armstrong maybe was a little premature on giving Yori Latera the big deal he got back uh, coming off of the season that he had a couple of years ago where he really showed some some chemistry with Vladimir Tarasenko. He had 10 points in the postseason the previous year, and he was coming off back-to-back 33-point seasons. So, there, you know, Doug Armstrong's hands were tied. He had to give the man the money. Did he give him a little bit too much? Probably. And so at this point, um, you know, with the Blues, Latera's production had decreased every year since the deal, since he signed on the dotted line. And, and fans were pretty much fed up of him as far as what production he was giving them on the ice. And so Blues Nation was just ecstatic when the trade when the trade happened because, like I said, they were just sick of him. Now, what, what I thought was interesting here, Mark, is the fact that after, after the trade goes down and, and Flyers GM Ron Hexel gets interviewed by Blues TV, um, they asked him about Braden Shen, and, and he just he really talked up Braden Shen. Talked about how great of a player he was, how great of a shooter he was, uh, his character on and off the ice, and and all these different things. And then they asked him, you know, about Laterra and what he brings to the Flyers and why they were able, why they pulled the trigger on this deal. He didn't really have a lot of good things to say, you know. If, uh, and so that that really interests me. On on if there wasn't a lot good to say about the guy you just traded for, then why did you make this deal? Um, and, and so what I kind of looked into, and you could probably tell me a little bit yourself, because I'm sure you're much more familiar with Shen than I am. I have, you know, dug into some of his stuff and, and, and watched more Shen lately um, since this deal's gone down. But, you know, you look at him in, as far as a five-on-five five situation, 
Um, you look at it, his his Corsi um, during five on five situations. His shooting percentage has dipped over the last year, eight, from eleven point nine seven percent down to four point seven in five on five. We know how great he is on the power play, but he's a liability defensively, and he's a liability five on five. So maybe you can you can shed a little light on that. What do you think about Chen as far as an overall player? Um, well, I mean, I think in Philadelphia especially. Um, there's always been two schools of thought with him. There's people they either really love him or there's people that are just kind of annoyed with him because when they initially traded for him from L.A., he was considered the gem or the cornerstone of the Mike Richards deal. And it seemed like we were always waiting for him to kind of break out of this shell and become this, you know, consistent 30-plus goal scorer that he just never turned into. And most of his production was coming off of the the power play. And when it came down to five-on-five, five, there wasn't really anything that he was giving us. And so I think from a Flyers perspective and the way I look at it, that you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to compare him to Voracek and Giroux and you know, kind of how their production has dropped. But those guys are a lot more difficult to get rid of one, because Drew has a no-movement clause, and they're both making more money. So, I mean, of the core guys that the Flyers had, Shen was the most likely to be traded, and I think, uh, you know, I think what they got back, I, I don't know much about Letera, and I'll get that, I'll get to that with you in a second, but, I, you know, as far as the two first-round picks go, I think it was a pretty, pretty good haul for a guy that wasn't giving them much consistent production. Yeah, you know, I think that was a big part of this deal. You know, the fact that they get the two first-rounders, the the, uh, the potential first-rounder there uh, in coming years, and then the tw- and what was it, the uh, 27th pick? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, which turned into Morgan Frost, who uh, seems to be, all things considered, uh, a potential, you know, 25 to 35 goal scorer in the NHL, if all things go uh, right with his developments. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this could turn into a... a a real good trade both ways um, for, for both sides of this thing. So let me ask you this. Now that Shen is officially a blue, um, where where do you think that he's going to fit in t- to their lineup? Are they going to try to convert him back to a center? Are they going to leave him as a winger? Is he a top six guy? Where, where is he going to fit into this whole thing with you guys? Well, I think he's definitely a top six guy. Uh, I, I definitely think that's, that's the blues are going to look to have him in the top six. Now, here's the thing, you know, he, we know about his defensive struggles, and I think because of that is kind of why he bounced around in the lineup with Philadelphia last year, and they kind of liked him more at wing because we all know that a center has more defensive responsibility. So, you know, I, the Blues needed a depth center, and so this is a guy that can play center for them. I think it's all going to depend on the fact of what else the Blues are going to do in free agency because their number one priority right now is to re-sign Colton Pareko, their, their young defenseman. Um, he's probably going to get somewhere uh, in the neck of the woods of a 4.5 to 5.5 million dollar deal. I think you can you can look at uh, uh, Ghost of Spears' contract, and it's going to be very similar to what he got there. Seven years, 27 million dollars. I think it's going to be real similar there. The Blues have 10 million dollars in cap space right now, which tells us that after they make this deal, they'll have around five million dollars uh, left after that to go get a center. Now. If they can do that, I think Shen is going to most likely become a wing. Um, if they don't do that, I think they might be forced to play him at center, at, at somewhere at center, whether it's 
the second line or maybe even down in the third line, depending on how how much Robbie Fabry improves. But if I were to, to make a prediction right now of who he skates with, I really like the combination of Shen, Fabry, Tarasenko. I really think that could be a top line for, for St. Louis going forward because that allows them to play Alexander Steen, Patrick Berglund, and Jaden Swartz on the same line. And I think that would probably be somewhere where they'd be looking to go if they can find themselves a depth center in free agency. So as far as the return the Flyers got for Shen, uh, you mentioned Yuri Laterra, obviously, a little bit earlier. Most Flyers fans don't know much about him. Um, I mean, if you Google him, you could see that his production's kind of dropped off, and the, you know every year he's been in the league. But and this was more than likely the Flyers just taking him because they needed, you know, the Blues needed the salary dump. But what kind of player are the Flyers getting in Laterra? Well, you're, you're going to get a guy who is uh, fundamentally sound. There's no doubt about it. He's got a good 200 foot game. Um, he, he's a two way player. He is a heck of a passer. Um, he's prolific. He, he can do it. He can do anything you want as far as a as far as a passing standpoint. He he he's not a goal scorer. He and he could be. And that's the thing that I think a lot of uh, people in the organization and Blues fans were frustrated about because he has the skill set to do it all. It just seems like there's there's something there that that you know whether it's. Uh, uh, a timidness or an unconfidence. We don't really know. Something needs to be unlocked with Yori Laterra because he has the potential to be so much more. And he kind of started spinning his wheels here after he got the contract. Um, when, when he played with Vladimir Tarasenko is when he had the most success. And 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 when he played with other guys on the Blues roster, he, he his production really sort of dipped off. So I think if you can pair Laterra with a goal scoring wing you're going to find yourself in an alright situation because, like I said, he's a great setup man. And and as far as the defensive side of the things go, you're going to get a better player than Braden Shen. He is much more fundamentally sound, knows where he's supposed to be, uh, plays the puck well. Like I said, he's a playmaker. He just doesn't score goals, and he doesn't shoot that often. So, you know, if something clicks, if there's a light bulb in Yori Leterrier's head that says, hey, you know what, this is my chance, you know, to make something of myself here, um, you could you could find yourself with a really great player. I, I think it just remains to be seen which Lori, Yori Laterra you're going to get. Are you going to get the Yori Laterra that kind of just sits back and, and watches, or are you going to get the the aggressive Yori Laterra that makes plays? And and that's going to be the you know the the key in this, I think. And and that's why Blues fans were so frustrated. M- much like you know some Flyers fans were frustrated with Shen. The inconsistency is is, is really the biggest factor. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so last one from me here. Um, now that you've had time to look at the trade, break everything down, look at both players' numbers, look at who the Flyers got with the 27th pick, if you had to pick a winner of this trade, who would you pick? Well, i I, I got to say it's the Blues. And, you know, the reason why I say that is, A, you mentioned it, they got a little bit of a salary dump, which they needed. Um, the salary cap did go up, which helped them. I think I don't think Doug Armstrong and the Blues are done yet. I think they're going to try to bring in a guy like, say, a Nick Bonino, um, a depth center, like I had mentioned before, somebody in that nature. Um, you know, there are rumors of, of Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk with uh, the connection with Brodeur. I don't really see that happening anymore. 
just just because of the fact that Kozlechuk said he wants to stay on the East Coast for one thing, but they don't have really unless they give up a boatload of prospects to get this guy. I, I, and I don't see that happen because there's a whole youth movement going on in St. Louis. But to answer your question, you know, to I, I think Shen is is exactly what the Blues are looking for, and that's goal scoring because down the stretch in the playoffs when it mattered most. They scored the least amount of goals in any team in the, that advanced to the second round of the postseason, and that's just not going to get it done. You know, they trade Ryan Reeves, who you know that was uh, that, that's a whole other situation. But they trade Ryan Reeves and, and and lose their enforcer, and so now you've got a, a torn fan base on on the whole direction of this thing. Is but when you when you look at it, the bottom line is you know you got to score goals to win games, and especially in the postseason, you got to score goals, and that's something the Blues struggled with. And so you bring in a guy like Shen who can do that on the power play and who can score goals, I think it's really going to benefit this club because they're so good defensively already. I think I think it's right now, I think the Blues are the winner, but it remains to be seen because if if Frost turns into the player he's, he's uh, he has the potential to turn into, it could start to sway the other way in a few years. It remains to be seen, but if I had to choose one, I would say the Blues won it right now. All right, Nick. Well, that was great stuff. I mean, you really gave a lot of insight from the other side of this thing. I mean, we've been debating it like hell over here in uh, in Philadelphia and Flyers fans, and it's nice to get a, a, another perspective on the on the whole trade. Probably the one of one of the uh, more there was a lot of trades being made, but one of the bigger ones that went down. It's good to hear the other side of of things. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, everybody, if you want to read him, he's at thehockeywriters.com. You have a podcast going too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can uh, you can find me at uh, the Coach and Cole Show, it's called. And uh, we talk a lot of hockey. We talk a lot of football. We talk just about everything. We, we have some great guests that come on every week. And, and uh, we talk to, to uh, people from all over the world. We've had NFL players on the show before. We've had uh, all kinds of stuff. So, if you're into more than just hockey, I suggest checking us out, the Coach and Cole Show. And then, yeah, like you said, I'm at the Hockey Writers, um, you know, doing mostly St. Louis Blues stuff. That's the team I cover. Um, but I have written some other stuff there. And uh, check out my columns there. Really appreciate it. And I'm at Twitter, at Coach037. So if you're an NFL guy, if you're an NHL guy, uh, check me out there. All right, Nick, I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll have to catch up with you again down the road. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. I- uh, look forward to doing it again sometime soon. All right, cool. All right, so he gave us pretty good stuff. And so I mean, it was I, I thought I found it important, at least as far as I'm concerned, to get the perspective of the other side of this whole thing because all we've been doing on Twitter and you know with your friends or whoever, we we are just debating it as Flyers fans against Flyers fans. So I wanted to kind of hear the Blues' perspective on what they thought they were getting in Braden Shen. But what stood out to me uh, in the whole interview was when he broke down Yuri Laterra and he said something to the effect that it's like there's something inside of him holding him back. That, you know, he has the ability to score, but he just hasn't shown it. And I think that's kind of what we've been saying about Braden Shen the last couple of years. The only difference is Laterra's coming in as, as everyone's guessing, a fourth-line player and Braden Shen was a top six forward. So, I don't, I, I mean, what do you guys, do you guys expect anything? Dan, do you expect anything out of Yuri Laterra other than, you know, just eating up fourth line minutes? I mean, adding him isn't bad to me because, I mean, 
You're throwing a guy in the fourth line. At least he's a decent guy on the fourth line. I mean, any, anything was really an improvement over Belmar offensively. But he, they said like he's still a two hundred foot player. He still plays a full two way game. So I'm, I think he's gonna like it's just gonna make the depth on this roster more evident because you know you're talking down the middle. You're talking you've all these times you've Drew Couturier, Patrick, Philpula, now Laterra. You know you have all these different people who can play center. You got a lot of different options now too. Josh, do you think wh- what do you think they got in Laterra? I mean, he's a guy who's shown he he's a playmaker more than he's going to put the puck in the net. I mean, when he played with Tarasenko, he was a great passer. Um, I think I think he said in the interview too, it's a guy you have to put with a guy who can score goals. I mean, what I think we're getting with him is a fourth line center and a guy who can need some minutes on the penalty kill along with a, a bigger influx of forwards with the the heavy stress of a two-way play. I don't think you're going to see him get back to his rookie season of scoring 44 points. Um, I think, like Dan said, it's a big upgrade over the fourth line we had last year. So I think you're going to get some depth scoring out of him. He did very well in the playoffs a few years ago. Experience, which we debated was overrated or not, but you're getting that talent with him. And uh, I mean, I haven't seen his game too much, but he has skill. He has the ability. He has the vision. So it depends. I, I don't think he's going to be anywhere in our top nine. So I don't think we're ever going to see him play with a guy like Voracek, Wheel, Connect Me, or anything like that. But it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, what I said earlier, too, I said, like, it'd be interesting to see if he was sent in the fourth line, assuming he doesn't move to wing, see someone like Lawton on his wing. Because if you go back two years ago when Lawton was on Cousins' wing, he had that beautiful goal against oh, he uh, could shoot. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you could put somebody on this team that's going to finally give Scott Lawton the spark that he obviously needs at this level, then, I mean, I'm all for it. I, I don't know much about Yuri Laterra. I've never seen him play, really. But, I mean, from from all accounts by what Nick said, it sounds like he's a really good two-way player. I mean, he's more of a playmaker, like Josh said, rather than the shooter. But he, it sounds like he has a really good defensive game. And, you know, he'll probably, I mean, he'll probably eat up a good chunk of time on the penalty kill, which is good. And I think having a guy like him with his experience on a team that has, it's going to have such younger guys. I think that veteran presence alone is is a good enough reason to keep him around for the two years that the Flyers are going to have him. Yeah, I was very shocked to hear they were keeping him. I mean, at, at first glance with that trade, you're thinking you're flipping him for a goaltender. You're flipping him for a pick. But, I mean, that cap hit's just not too attractive to other teams. Yeah, I mean, as far as the Flyers are concerned, the Flyers know all about having no cap. So it saved them a little bit of taking his salary, getting rid of Shen's. I mean, maybe it's not a huge chunk of change to go out and make a big splash, but I don't think anybody expects a big splash. Um, I don't know. I guess every every cent, I guess, counts going into free agency when you're going to be trying to go into a bidding war for, for a starting goalie. Yeah. And the All options right. there are running very, very thin. They sure are. I heard something about Mason going to the Jets now, so that looks like that's not an option anymore. That's not uh, Well, it wasn't really that much of an option. I know. It hurts. I would rather have... I'd rather have six skaters than put Steve Mason back in that. Really? Uh, Ooh, let's yeah. not go into this. 
<laughs> yeah, this that's that's a whole thing for another show. <laughs> so, what do you guys think Shen's legacy, if you could call it a legacy? But what do you think his, if you had to evaluate his entire career as a flyer, Dan, how would you, if you had to tell your kids, however however long from now, thirty years from now, about Braden Shen, if they found his his uh, flyers player card at a garage sale and said, Dad, who's this? What would you tell them if your remembrance of Braden Chen as a flyer? Uh, well, he scored on the power play and he attempted to fight a couple of times, but got his ass beat every time. So <laughs> Not a huge ringing endorsement. I was watching a video the other day of him getting into a fight with uh, TJ Oshie. I totally sure. forgot that happened. Oh, I remember that. That was bad. Fights like that are bad to watch. It's, that's not good for anybody. That's not good for the guys involved, and it's not good for the people watching. But, Josh, if you no. had to explain to your child 30 years from now when they find Braden Chen's trading card at the bottom of a bin in a garage sale, what are you going to tell them about Braden Chen, the flyer? <sighs> Let's say, son, here's a guy who we acquired, and he was called the best player not in the NHL yet. Yes. And his biggest legacy is that one time he laid a body check in 2012 and got hit by Aaron Asham. <laughs> I love that you brought up the um the whole cuz that was the thing when they traded when they made that trade all you kept hearing was wait till this guy Shen comes up. Yep. Le- <laughs> like whenever people were breaking down the trade it was yeah they lost a lot and uh, they lost a leader in Mike Richards but let me tell you about this guy, Braden Shen, they got. And that was it. Like, yeah, he was, I mean, no one talked about Wayne Simmons. It no. was Braden Shen is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So we all got our hopes up. Yeah, I mean, it was he is the best prospect in hockey. And that's what he was being touted as at the time. And I'm sure if you go back to when that deal was made, I think it was like six six years ago now, and you told all those people that were saying, wait for Braden Shen, and you said, um, actually... Wayne Simmons is, was the, the crown jewel of this uh, of this trade. They'd probably think you're nuts and and punch you in the face. Yeah, it's frustrating, but the fact of the matter. In retrospect, I don't I don't find it as frustrating because when you look at how everyone's career played out, Mike Richards mm-hmm. is probably drunk on a beach somewhere, and we got a serious goal scorer in Wayne Simmons. It sucks that the Shen thing didn't work out and he's gone now, but when you really look at it, we got two first-round picks for him, and and like I said, Wayne Simmons is tearing it up every year now. Oh, I can't wait to see the uh, Michael Mike Richards trade tree continue to grow. Oh, I know. It's great. Poor Mike. <laughs> I think Mike's probably doing all right. I think, I think he... Uh, if he hasn't lost at all, he's probably got a pretty decent amount of money in the bank. I think he's I think he's doing pretty good. We don't feel too bad for him. No, I, I decided so. what I want my what my free agents picked me. I want to spring back Mike Richards. Hundred <laughs> percent. Bring back Mike. Dan, I saw Dan Silver write that he wants him to bring back uh Justin Williams. And that's that's not far fetched. I mean, if he doesn't want too much money, he's a great veteran winger to have for our young guys. I would be all over him him and there's been some talk of Yager and he's not expected to get paid big time either so either one of though I am honestly okay with them as long as it's very very short term I wonder if those guys are and I don't know how often this happens in hockey it happens a lot more 
and like the NFL, the older guys kind of hang around until the end of training camp. But I wonder how fast those guys get scooped up and if, you know, if they're around at the beginning or middle of training camp and the Flyers see that some of the young guys they thought were going to uh to make more of an impact don't if it that like that's a time that I would bring a guy like that in. But other than that, I would just kind of I would try to roll with as many young guys as they possibly could this year. Make I think so. And there's, uh, it's nothing substantial, but where it is, Justin Williams pretty much designated for Dallas, so I'm not getting my hopes up for him. Yeah. The other thing is with Yager, you'd probably have to go fast because Vegas is probably – here's my whole thought process. I feel like Yager might go to Vegas because if they're trying to attract fans, Yager's a name everyone knows. So if you're icing a lineup that has Yarmer Yager in it, <laughs> people are going to be attracted to that rink no matter what team they're a fan of. They're going to want to see – I want to see Yarmer Yager play. That would you got to wonder too. for McPhee. You got to wonder, too, at, at, the, the, at the stage they are in their career, if – you know, where their mindset is as a player, if they're chasing one more cup or if they kind of want to play that that old sage role where they just come in and just impart wisdom on, on all the young guys the Flyers have. It's a great for Giroux when Yager was here. So, I mean, you kind of want to see that when you have guys like Lindblom and Patrick coming. And he's not, he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. It looks like he's oh, going to be, no. the, he looks like he's going to be Gordy Howe playing into his 50s. I know. Provrock pissed him off. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But uh, there is a thing saying, I mean, he had, I think, 44 points after coming off 67. And in the two previous years, he had gone from 60 to 40, 60 to 40. So now would be a great time to take advantage if he's going to have another 60. Yeah. I mean, maybe you bring him on if, I don't know. I really don't know. If you bring him I, in. I doubt it. I mean, the cap has to be perfect, and it probably won't be. Yeah. I mean, they don't have much much flexibility to go playing around and throwing around uh contracts on guys like that and especially nope. they need they're probably their their biggest issue is goalie so i would imagine that that's the first thing they go after with whatever cap space they have so they know yeah. what they have to work with to fill in the other spots it's not going to be exciting i'm not setting my alarm on july 1st and yeah. checking twitter right away i think we'll go for a goaltender and we're going to get bernier who i'm not going to be happy about but it's whatever and well okay good this this is a good, Gotta bring back a good white. Pr- what's that got to bring back white reunite the untouchables <laughs> oh my god the family reunion going <laughs> all right well on that note was i the only pr- uh, never mind never no, mind go ahead <laughs> You might have been so the, the only, only person. person that was sad that Ryan White left. I had a few friends that were. I, I love him. What always struck me about Ryan White is he wore number twenty-five, and I kept thinking, "That's Wayne. No, oh, that's Wayne. That's Keith Primo's number." Then Nick Cousins comes in and has the audacity. It's just weird. For How me dare to... Nick Cousins wear Ryan White's number? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now it's always weird for me to see the uh, these younger guys come in and wear the numbers of players that I grew up watching, like Shen wearing ten, and uh, when Nick Grossman was wearing eight, which should be retired anyway, uh, just based on Dave Schultz alone, probably should be retired. But now that Recky's in the Hall of Fame, he should just be retired for both of them. But we're getting yeah. We're I'll getting never, stuff. never forget being mad at Jay Rosehill for wearing Rico's number thirty-seven. I think that still haunts me to this day, and one of the big reasons I'm so glad he's gone. Flyers legend Jay Rosehill. <laughs> Twenty-seven, eight, thirty-seven, eighty-eight, 
These are all numbers that should be retired by now. If anyone wears 88 in Philadelphia, I will lose my mind. Love the number, but that should never be touched. Well, what if Nolan Patrick comes in and decides he doesn't like 19, he wants to wear 88? I'll buy the jersey. <laughs> I'll make an exception for a kid like him. All right, guys. Well, this was fun. Um, good conversation. We got off topic, but we didn't get off topic about talking things that aren't related to the Flyers. Um, I'll give you guys, you know, Josh, you can go first. Kind of a closing statement type thing. Overall feel on the Flyers right now, the draft, and uh, where we find you on social media. Um, in terms of the Flyers, uh, I'm coming in with a lot more optimism than I have in the last few years. I mean, coming into last year, there was a there was a pessimism knowing, you know, guys like McDonald. I mean, he's not leaving anytime soon, but knowing that the young guys weren't quite ready. I mean, I, I have a little surprise when Konecki made it. I wasn't expecting Provorov to. So, I mean, this year I'm expecting young guys to start filling out the roster. Um, hoping guys like Giroux and Voracek have much better years than last. And I think adding, uh, I don't want to butcher his name, Knobloch, the new assistant coach on the power play, will help a ton. Um, playoffs aren't out of the question for me. It has a lot to do with how training camp shakes out. I mean, who is going to be our goaltender? Um, but there's a pretty, I'm more excited for this season than I have been in quite a few years. And in terms of social media, you can find me at five on the fly. You can always find my hot takes and bad memes usually every day. All right, Dan, how about you? All right. You know, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with the way it's going right now. I mean, you're just adding another, you're adding a most likely future franchise center, Nolan Patrick. So, I mean, I'm just really thrilled just to see him hit the ice for the first time. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter.com uh, at Dan, Char Dan underscore Charlton 48. Well, there you go. Guys, I appreciate you doing it this week. As for myself, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman with two N's. You can follow the show at underscore getting bullied. You can um, check us out. Check out this podcast. Check out these two great guys on PhileasFlyer.com. And you can uh, also check, check out thehockeywriters.com for more of a Nationals perspective, and we're on there as well. So until next week, let's go Flyers, and rest in peace, Adam West. <laughs>